You better believe it. Baseball is back. I don't know if I'd say better than ever, but we're going to get into all the specifics as much as we can. There's a lot of parts that are kind of, uh, let's be honest, the CBA is not being fully reported. We don't have all the details. I am recording this. It's 8.41 Central Time, 9.41 Eastern. Uh, so expect the first trades to be breaking any moment now that I am in the podcast. If you've been a long-time listener of Lockdown Guardians, you know this is how this works. Mookie Betts traded mid-podcast. Uh, trying to think of the other deals, but the bets one always comes to mind. But there has been multiple big maneuvers that have happened when I've been recording, so expect that to happen now. Uh, we're going to get into who I think is going to win the Central as of now. This might change as we do some roster shaping around the league, but based on how things are in place, then we're going to talk about the CBA, all of that. Well, we're going to first do CBA, and then we're going to do our preview of the division all in a moment. <laughs> Are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're going to get into it. So Mark Feinsand, uh, you know, he's put a bunch of stuff on Twitter, and they didn't put it all in his article over at MLB.com. Uh, you know, he has a lot of great data in here. I don't mean this is, an, is any way of an insult. This has to be the most comical article on the CBA, just because, like, okay, so when you get into the details on it, it talks about the minimum salary. It's going up to 700000 then 720 740 780 The first year increase is the largest single-year increase in history, nearly five times larger than the uh, 2000. $27,500 increase in the first year of the prior CBA. It also represents a larger increase than the total from the past 10 years. Again, I'm not making fun of him. He works for MLB. They pay his paycheck. But to phrase it that way, to make it seem like this is magnanimous, this is what they agreed themselves down to. Um, the competitive balance tax threshold, you know, again, it's very 230, 233, 237, 241, 244. Uh, it is a $20 million increase from a year ago, but the new thing is they added a fourth tax level. So if you spend 290 or more, if you hit the Steve Cohen tax, as it's being called, uh, it's a much, much, much more punitive level. I have not seen whether or not there's still going to be like draft pick losses for crossing certain thresholds as there have been in the past. The players are really trying to eliminate anything that costs draft picks. I don't know if that's going to be in place, but this is here and again, very, very team friendly in the way it is written up. Pre-arbitration bonus. Remember how the owner started at five and the players started at like 110 and we met at 50 million in the middle. Like, I mean, essentially, why did it take so long to meet in the middle? Uh, now, here's the thing. They point out in here that under the system, uh, Corbin Burns would have seen a salary jump from 608,000 to 4.2 million last season. So... The downside of this, and it is, if you're a Guardians fan, uh, the $50 million that's going to be distributed is, imagine someone like, like, when you get a Shane Bieber, when you get a Francisco Lindor, those type of players who are that good from the jump, they are going to get expensive quickly in the new system. And there is no incentive at all to sign an early extension. Uh, the Indians' ability to, I know they, have, they weren't able to do it with Bieber, uh, he was non-receptive last year. Lindor was non-receptive. So they haven't been able to. They've been, more, you know, uh, Jose Ramirez took a little bit to figure it out. Uh, Michael Brantley, 
I didn't love the extension when it happened. He really didn't figure it out and become an all-star until after he signed. Same with Jose. Uh, so they've actually had some success with those types. But those, when you get the transcendent talent, they're going to get expensive quickly. It's not like three years in arbitration. Oh, time for guest host. Here comes Senor Nacho coming in to say hi. He has some thoughts on this. Uh, what do you think about the CBA? Yeah, doesn't benefit the Guardians that much, does it? Just particularly this part. Uh, so, yeah, there's... You know, Bieber has no incentive to sign a contract now. And if you, when you hit on that transcendent talent in the draft, um, the new system essentially takes away uh, the leverage. You know, those three years that you had, which led to someone like Wander Franco signing that contract he signed, uh, yeah, that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> like, that's just not going to happen. Uh, no agent in the right mind would let someone like Wander sign that contract now. Would let a, uh, you know, Ronald Aquania from the Braves sign the contract he signed. Those were such team-friendly deals for players who were clearly um, ascending talents. And the Brewers... Their host, <laughs> the, the pitching they have in place. Uh, I mean, maybe they should visit a revisit the idea of a Corbin Burns deal. I mean, they still have really good players, but uh, this is going to hurt from that perspective. This is one of those things that definitely sticks it to the small market team a little bit more. And the MLB and the and the player association are going to develop a statistical method to allocate those funds. Um, and you know, they talked about last year that the the Randy. Uh, Rosa Renia and Jonathan India would have seen their salaries triple in year two. So they'd have gone from being, you know, 700000 to being over $2 million in year two and then just going up from there. So that's why this is, as a Guardians fan, it's great baseball's back, but uh, <laughs> their ability to, to re-sign their players just went away. Like what little ability they had when it came to that transcendent talent is gone. Uh, you essentially have to sign that contract before that player ever gets to the big leagues. Uh, you have to, you know, hope they don't turn to Jonathan Singleton, where that contract then just becomes a drain on your franchise. And there's no such thing as a sure bet. You know, Matt Laporta looked like a sure bet. And we talked about him on the why prospects fail. Like, he should have been successful. There's no reason for him to at least not be league average. Didn't happen. Uh, it's a big risk. This is certainly, if you're a Guardians fan, it's a little bit of a kick in the pants. I can't lie to you about that. So the pre-arbitration pool hurts the Guardians. The draft, I, I wish we had more on this because there's so much more that is being reported but not stated. So top six selections are awarded by the lottery. That's up. You know, it was supposed to be four, eight. Again, they met in the middle. We did 99 days of strike so they can meet in the middle. Great, great job, both sides, with their negotiations. It's just ridiculous. Um, odds would be based on reverse order of winning percentage with the bottom three clubs, each at 16.5%. The 18 non-postseason clubs would be eligible. The revenue-sharing payees would be ineligible to receive selections in three consecutive years, while non-payees would be ineligible to receive selections in consecutive years. So the way I read this is if you spend a lot of money, you can be bad longer. If you are the Guardians... You don't even get two years at the top of a draft. So I'll just state that again. If you are the Dodgers and you have some big money committed and you're bad two years in a row, but you've paid into the luxury tax, you can get more draft picks and stay in the top. Whereas if you're the Guardians with a low payroll, the Guardians are never going to be a revenue-sharing payee. They just aren't. 
this was discussed often in reverse, but now it's the opposite, where the revenue-sharing payee would be ineligible after three consecutive years. So they get three years in a row, then they're ineligible. Uh, the Guardians get one year, then they're ineligible. Couldn't do it in back-to-back years. So getting back-to-back high picks in the top six um, just can't happen for them. So let that sink in. If you thought the first part was bad for the Guardians, there's part two. Uh, Yeah, the CBA um, in its current form definitely does not benefit them in any way, shape, or form. Let's keep going. International draft. Uh, Guardians have done really well internationally, identifying talent, signing players, have had some spectacular classes. You know, having the draft, it's okay. So the Latin American system is a poop show. We can say, you know, make it a a family-friendly word, Uh, both in terms of, like, how kids get taken advantage of by people in their countries and by baseball teams taking advantage of players. We had the whole scandal with the Washington Nationals uh, many a year ago, and then we just had the issues with, like, hey, handshake deals for players and things like that when the guy could get more money um, without that handshake deal. So we'll have this draft. They're going to put more money into annually so essentially teams can spend more on the draft it's going to be uh oh and going back to the other one with the draft uh drafts all around so the international draft will have to i'm going to have a hard okay so i love drafts but at the end of the day it's still you get great talent don't get me wrong i have latin america but if this draft is taking part with like 16 you know and up i i can only follow so many things it's it's not going to be my strong suit and i feel like for a team like the guardians will probably end up with similar talent just because they don't tend to mine the top of the draft. Maybe it gives them an opportunity to do that when they're bad, but we'll see. Uh, the other things we heard is the draft and follow is back. I'm trying to figure out exactly the deal on that. For those who remember the draft and follow, essentially you would draft, because you would, this was pre-pool system, you would draft a guy, and he was not, you held on to his rights until he showed up on campus. Uh, and if he was a JUCO player, you could sometimes hold his rights even as they were playing, like up until the draft of the next year. So if a guy went to the JUCO ranks and performed really well, you could then offer him a ridiculous amount of money and sign him because there was no overall pool system. So you still maintain those rights, but you're still having some kind of slotting system in pool. So I don't know, you know, it's like, okay, a guy has a great year. Why is he going to want to sign for slot? His value is probably going to go up. Also, how do you figure out who's going to be over slot and under slot? Is it just the day before the draft? Okay. We're going to go crazy. Like, I, you know, I, it's interesting. I need more data. There's not a lot out there. It's been very limited. The draft and follow is one of those things we don't see a ton about. Uh, I saw Callis mention it and have not seen much since. It was, you know, it was really interesting. There were guys who would have a great year and you could sign them or went out in the Cape and wrecked things and you would see guys sign. I mean, we, we had some of that a year ago. Now with the later signing deadline and later drafts in general, that has occurred. But it used to be guys would go and play in the spring uh juco guys college guys once they made it to campus they were you lost their rights uh the pool system completely changed this but apparently that is back and the other one is the quote-unquote kumar rocker rule which is you have to offer anyone you draft 75 percent of slot they cannot be offered less than 75 percent of slot they must be offered 75 at least 75 percent of slot so senior sign well okay i want to make sure i have the exact bit on this it's the top 300 players will be eligible to participate in a pre-draft combine, which again, remember Kumar Rocker refused to give his medicals beforehand. So he actually would not qualify for the 75%. Uh, to get that, you have to do the draft combine. 
uh, do a pre-draft physical, and then you get offered 75% of the slot associated. How do we figure out the top 300? Again, I I hate these things. They're just nebulous. Like, are we, are we using MLB's list? Uh, are we using Perfect Game? Are we using Baseball America? We're doing a composite. Are they taking my data into it? How far are we going on this? Like, how are you going to do a top 300 list? Uh, and then that would mean if you're not a top 300 guy and you don't go to the camp, I get those guys are going to like, if you view someone as a top 300 talent and he is not listed in that top 300, that's like, that's the most valuable senior because you can still sign that guy for $10,000. He doesn't have to be given 75% of slot. So you can still do senior signs. This doesn't completely get rid of it. It only gets rid of it for guys in the top 300. And, you know, look at Adam Scott going back. Too. I you know I want to monitor my time here. Let's take our first commercial break. I'll come back and explain why this system is really weird, really funky, and why it might not be exactly what owners and everyone else think in a moment. Bill Barr, I mean you know there it's working for me. Uh, I went and bought a Shamrock Shake today. I'll be honest, <laughs> doing my ad read yesterday. I'm kind of surprised no one's talking about it in our group chat. Come on, Bilt Bar's got Shamrock Shake right now. They got a sale going on on the Bilt Bar German Chocolate Cake. They still got Churro Puff, Banana Cream Puff, Coconut Puff, Lemon Dip Cheesecake, and Ruby, Ruby Chocolate Cheesecake. There are flavors for days, all interesting, all delicious, and all healthy for you. I love Bilt Bar. It is a product that I... I had two eggnogs for lunch today. You know, I am a, a user. You know, it's a, what What's the old, you know... Uh, I'm not just the president. I'm also a client, or whatever that was back when I was a child. Uh, I'm not just a reading advertisement. I also buy it. This is just, I get tired of food. I don't get tired of Bilt Bar. It is delicious tasting. It is healthy. It, you know, what else do you need beyond those two things? A in my health food app, A in my heart. Go to BiltBar.com. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% on your order and start building up those Bilt Bucks to save even more. That's BiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. Um, before we go, you know, I, I and I dive into all of what's happening. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to a few people. First, uh, Andy said I probably did the pronunciation right, so I guess I'm learning. Thank you for your help over the years, uh, Andy. Uh, and then Daniel Phipps at Give Me Food underscore eighty four, who uh, has been very helpful with the sound. He says that everything's cleared up. So let me know if you disagree with that. I need to continue monitoring and figuring out how everything works right now uh, on this podcast make sure you guys are getting the best product possible i want to thank you again for making lockdown guardians your first listen today and soon to be every day wherever it is you get podcasts app streaming we are there odyssey we are there so i'm another so like that was an ad read no so okay here's what happened if a player is not in the top 300 you don't have to give him 75 percent a slot so teams are going to there's going to be a guy out there who is better off not being top 300 because 75% of slot would be giving someone like 80,000. Um, and if you are like back of the top 300, and if there's a team that views you and a guy who isn't in the top 300 similarly, but they're like, we're only going to offer 50,000, they can only offer that to one player. They can't offer it to the other. Does that make sense? Let's say um, Joe Smith, not, not the former Indians pitcher, just Joe Smith is ranked 300th. So he goes to the combine, does all that stuff. Now he has to get 75% of $110,000 slot. So that's, you know, quick math. I don't know. What's that, like 80000 80, ish uh, Let's say you are 
uh, Jim Smith, I already did Smith, Jim Johnson, uh, not the Baltimore Orioles closer, but another one. So you're Jim Johnson and you are you not invited to the combine, but a team, you know, goes, hey, we're going to offer you 60,000 there or we're going to offer you 50,000 there. They can do that because you weren't part of that combine process. It's limiting what you are allowed to take. It's forcing teams to say, hey, you can't go below this. And it's forcing you to spend more money. I, you know, it's more like in the first round. You're not going to see, was it, I mean, Henry? did Henry Davis get 75%? I mean, probably a year ago. But I did. they used massive savings there to spread that around. And it allowed more players to sign. Like Bubba Chandler wasn't going to sign without that deal. Um, I don't love this just because it's like, it's not going to limit a senior sign. It doesn't change anything. It just says that if someone goes to this combine, hey, they're insured. But it can also mean, hey, you go to this combine, a team might decide that, you know, they would have given you 50, but now they're only willing to get, you know, but they have to give you 80. And, yeah, maybe they can come back on day three if they like you enough, but there's no guarantee of that. So I don't love that part of it. I understand like the rocker rule, but at the end of the day, it's like rocker wouldn't have been protected by the quote unquote rocker rule because he refused to, to let his medicals get out. Like he had concerns. That is why he refused to show his medicals. It's why Brady Aiken, you know, it's like when the medicals finally came out after being drafted, both those situations, teams went, Ugh. no, thanks. So this wouldn't protect either of them. Um, we talked about the draft and follow international draft and that's still not finished by the way. So the international draft, um, it's, they're going to eliminate the qualifying offer system, the draft by compensation, which we've already talked about, doesn't really help the guardians. Uh, they have lost more players than they've gained from that. In exchange for that, they're getting the, the, the teams are getting the draft. So, you know, there's that it's again, nothing really uh being a small market team isn't getting those bonus picks like was originally discussed with the players um yeah i mean again another cba really helps small market let's let's be honest uh contracts for arbitration eligible players will be guaranteed top prospect who finished first or second in the rookie year rookie of the year voting will receive a full year of service so even if you try to manipulate service time they get their full year of service Another thing I just totally hate because it's clubs promoting top prospects to opening day rosters will be eligible to receive draft picks if that player finishes in the top three of the rookie of the year voting or top five of the Cy Young or MVP. Why do I hate this? Because you can go back. I mean, I can dig out my tweet. Was it like 2018, 2017? Joey Wendell had the second best war among um, rookies behind uh, Otani. He had a stellar year for the Rays. He was awesome. But he finishes fourth because uh, Anjouar and Torres, who he had better years than both of them, are from New York, played in the bigger market. This is a rule where, yeah, it's great, extra draft picks, but it's going to slant to favor big market teams because they also have more media covering them. They get a better, bigger chunk of the votes. And it's a way you can directly influence um, and directly, you know, help a team by voting for that guy. Like, if you're someone who is, you know, I know, quote unquote, people in media don't have teams. They still have teams. They still root for them. I mean, some people do. They just move on. And it's not that or it's the team they cover isn't for them. But and you might be like, oh, they wouldn't, you know, sacrifice their integrity. Have you seen the Hall of Fame voting process? <laughs> Talk about it, sacrificing integrity. 
Um, it's a bad system for this. It's just there's no way around it. It is a bad system. And for whatever reason, the players did not like war. They didn't want war for this. They instead wanted top three finishes in Rookie of the Year. I just... And again, favors bigger market squads. That's like every... like. It's it's a big, big advantage for bigger market squads, again, because they tend to uh, rank higher in uh, in terms of uh, Rookie of the Year and awards voting. Like, you can go through, and historically, that's been the case. Like, the Indians, you know, Jose Ramirez should have been the MVP and went to Jose Abreu. You know, Albert Bell was a jerk. That's why he didn't get it over move on. If Albert Bell wasn't a jerk, he probably would have gotten it that year. But that's just the truth of the matter. But it's like... It's a bad approach. Like, there's no way it is a bad approach. There's better ways to do this. I like the idea of it, and there is a small incentive. At the same time, like getting an extra draft pick, even if it's like a first rounder, is not worth as much as potentially having a guy start. Like this, these two things here: the rookie of the year finishing, along with this draft pick. Like, maybe this might suppress service time even more. Because you don't want someone to finish first or second the rookie of the year. Maybe you don't call them up till July to guarantee that for you. Because then you get uh, you suppress that service time still, and the draft pick isn't enough to make you uh, excited about losing an extra year of control of a, uh, of a potential transcendent talent. That's worth more than a draft pick. You know, we've seen... I mean, teams trade those supplemental, you know, the competitive balance picks to save $3 million in savings. We've seen that. Like, this is not, uh, you know, an extra year of control of a potential star-type player uh, is exponentially more valuable in a first-round pick. So these two, again, it's these silly things where I hate the way that it's categorized. And then even more than that, I don't think it accomplishes anything. And then if it does, it's just going to end up helping large market squads. Uh, expanded postseason. That is one thing that helps your Guardians. Uh, they're going to 12-team postseason. They got a chance. Let's put it there, especially if they can supplement with some talent and some of those young players can really step forward this year. I think they have a legit chance at a 12-team postseason. Universal designated hitter. That hurts the Guardians because uh, there's going to be more of a demand for hitters. We talked about Schwarber as an under-the-radar target with the new minority ownership. Uh, he is not going to be in demand as a DH. And... Uh, We'll talk about, well, no, we got to get this done now because we're doing the preview in segment three. Players may be optioned five times per season. So no more of what the Rays are doing. They're trying to shut down that carousel, which I think is not good because with the, what the Rays did, it's like someone like um, Lewis Head, former Indians prospect, finally got to the big leagues, showed he could do something. Uh, the Rays were in a jam because of their way they approach, and they traded him to the Marlins. They'll get another opportunity. If you couldn't do that revolving door that the Rays were doing, excuse me, then, uh, you know, I think there's less players getting opportunities. Yes, this means guys are staying up longer, but it means less guys are getting on the 40-man. This is cutting down opportunities. They got the pre-arbitration pool. That was the big thing for the players. The owners got a whole nother level on the luxury tax, and they, you know, did a relatively small increase to the luxury tax. Uh, it's a thing that both sides can agree on but all in all like this is not a cba that benefits small market i gotta see you know the full details and more beyond this i uh, you, maybe you're saying well it benefits the small market teams in the international draft 
everyone had the same access a few years ago with it. It's not that big of a deal. And I, again, the Guardians have thrived under the current system, where the, and that's with them almost never signing a top ten talent. Um, you know, and they've they've been extremely successful in the international market. Uh, yeah, you know, just a team like the Guardian, you can't pull off what the Astros did. You can't pull off what the Nationals did. You're not allowed to have a top six pick in back to back years. I don't, I don't love that. And you're like, hey, you got to get good. Well, I, I mean, yeah, but you're also going to have bad years and bad runs happen, and penalizing teams that are already at the lower end of the market for that is not great. I don't love that part of it. That's probably my least favorite thing in the CBA. I'm glad baseball's back. I don't like. And then again, I, you know, I, all the things the players we talked about in the one podcast about like all the things they're going to offer for like additional picks for being in, instead of incentivizing teams to be good and getting more picks, which was talked about, this is, um, I wouldn't say de-incentivizing. It's like, if you're bad, you're bad. There's not, it's trying to de-incentivize being bad. Um, but there's no incentivization for being good. So this ends up hurting a team like the Guardians. We're going to take that third break, come back, and do a quick division preview. And that fantastic sponsor today are our good friends over at betonline.ag. You know BetOnline. They have been our sponsors for over a year on the show. Is it that it's the time of year? (laughs) It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. For all your latest odds, contests, and player prop bets, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all sporting, wagering, information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So I'm having an issue. Uh, (laughs) I hit stop instead of pause i'm going to try to stitch these together but i'm going to apologize now if that goes poorly uh let's get into this preview we already went 26 minutes in the beginning and i gotta it's gonna be a 30 minute plus pod easily already so the, the white Sox are the class of this division that's not even worth debating uh they are the number one team and you know just looking at i know people are gonna be like oh the guardians this guardians that the guardians didn't really lose anything uh you know, people keep getting excited. We had the same thing a year ago where it's like, oh, they'll be, uh, you know, they're going to be fourth in the division. That that didn't happen. Uh, other teams went out and added more. And, you know, it, the Guardians still finished second. They're below 500, but they were still second. Uh, I think the Royals are the worst team in the division. They have a bad manager. You know, the Bobby Wood Jr. hype train, uh, if he actually gets there great you know i think he'll be a very good player the rest of that lineup we talked about has a lot of question marks the pitching staff is far from proven uh the, i think those are your your easy parts are one in five i'm gonna put the twins at four because pitching i don't trust theirs their prospects have not been hitting uh just the majors in general i mean a lot of those high picks have not worked out we're still waiting to get big impacts and even for guys like Kirilov and Larnock, who are uh, going to get those opportunities this year, they've not proven themselves yet. Uh, I mean, we could say a lot about the Guardians as well, but I, I'm going to put them at four. I'm going to put the Guardians, Guardians and Tigers. That's what it comes down to, right? 
now this is where I have my internal debate, right? This is where when, after doing all these preview sets and going through, Tigers have up-and-coming pitching. Got an interesting lineup. The Guardians have, you know, bigger stars. I think I'm going to go Guardians 3, Tigers 2. And the reason for this is the Tigers have, you know, more prospects who can help with Torkelson and Green who have a chance to make a bigger impact. Uh, you know, I like Steve Kwan, but he's not in their their camp. I like Richie Palacios. He's not in that camp. They have the young arms that could be taking a step forward. I think we know, you know, what the Cleveland's pitching staff is. Like, Bieber is amazing. But the rest of it, I mean, outside of Tristan McKenzie, uh, you know, Quantrell's probably a three. Savale, uh, probably a four. And Plesak, probably a five. You know, uh, McKenzie can be anywhere from a two to a triple air. So we'll have to see what happens with him. Uh, Tigers have a better bullpen. They have a more consistent lineup. I think you have to put the Tigers too. And uh, the Guardians at three. Uh, again, this is all subject to uh, being revised as trades and signings happen. We assume the Guardians will be active and hopefully fill some of those needs. Uh, we'll talk Austin Meadows next week on the show. Uh, I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Lockdown Indie. Ooh, Lockdown. <laughs> guardians podcast i want to thank everyone who's rating and reviewing uh we're still seeing at 99 on itunes they don't want to give us 100 but hey keep keep leaving those reviews eventually we have to go for 100 right uh and i want to thank you again for making lockdown guardians your first listen today and every day wherever it is you get podcasts and as we end every episode now go go guardians go <laughs>